You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, isn't it, you guys? Man, it's awesome. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thanks for being here. If you're watching online, we love you as well. If you're new with us, Welcome, um, my name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. Thanks for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Hey, if you haven't signed up for a small group, don't forget to do that. You need community to grow, radiantbc.com. Visit that today. There was an announcement for that earlier in our announcements. But today, listen, we are in part number three of our message series that we've entitled Spiritual Warfare, Our Spiritual Battle Against the Forces of Darkness, and I want to just tell you, God moved pretty, pretty strongly in first service, and so get ready because uh, I just really feel like the Spirit of God wants to move in our midst today if our hearts would be opened to Him. Next week, my friend Shane Cox will be here from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He pastors a church out there. Uh, later on this week, me and the staff will be on a staff retreat. We're getting away uh, in West Michigan for a few days to hear from the Lord, to pray, to worship, to gather together to study the scripture. It's going to be a great time. We'll be back, but Pastor Shane Cox will be with us next week. So we'll take a small break from our series, and then we'll resume the following week. Well, in this series, listen, we have been learning. One of the big ideas of this series is this, is that we're learning that there is always something that we can't see influencing what we can see. There's something on, there's something going on behind the scenes, we can say it like this, that there is a war behind the war. And when we engage in spiritual warfare, listen, it takes place on three different fronts. If you're new uh, this morning, this is rehash. If you're not new, three different fronts. Number one, we wage war with the devil. The devil and primarily his lies and his accusations. The devil is a liar. Okay, he's a liar. Number two, we wage war with the flesh. When we talk about the flesh, I don't mean, you know, bones and blood and red blood cells and skin, that type of thing. What we mean, what the New Testament writers mean specifically, the flesh means our disordered desires that live on the inside of us. This is why Paul in Romans chapter seven says this. He says, the things that I wanna do, I don't end up doing. But the things that I don't want to do, well, that's what I end up doing. Have you ever had that sort of internal conflict in here? It's like, man, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want an extra piece of chocolate cake. I, sh- I know I shouldn't do it. It doesn't fit in my diet, but I'm going to eat the extra piece of chocolate cake, right? And so we wage war against the flesh. And then finally, there's the world. The world. The world represents truly um, this broken society systems that are set up apart and against from God, or a sinful society that celebrates and normalizes wickedness or evil or sin. Devil, the flesh, okay, and the world. And last week, we talked about the armor of God, that we've been given these spiritual resources to, we we have access to them, we're not left alone, but we have truly, the armor of God is really just putting on Christ and the fullness of their, what, which is Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Now, today, my message is entitled, Deliverance from Demonic Influence. 
So hang on, it's going to be a wild ride, okay? Deliverance from demonic influence. And as we begin today, I want to wrestle, I want us to wrestle with one primary question. And that question is this, can Christians ever come under the influence of demonic powers? Can Christians, spirit-filled, okay, Holy Spirit-filled Christians, come under the influence of demonic powers? The answer is yes. And I'm going to show you that today, six different ways that can happen. It's not an exhaustive list, but I think it helps to summarize most of the things out there today. So here's what we'll do. We'll look at six different ways demonic influence can come into our lives. Then we'll look at ways, how can we become free in Jesus Christ? We'll talk about deliverance, practical deliverance. And then at the end of service, listen, while we're still all gathered together, Pastor Jacob and Sarah are gonna sing over us. They're gonna lead us into worship. And then we're actually gonna spend time praying for you. I want there to be time of ministry here. Before we dismiss, it's gonna be part of our service. So uh, if you're not being prayed for, you're worshiping, hopefully you'll stand up and you'll worship with us. But can I just tell you in first service, <laughs> powerful things happen in first service. One woman came up to me and prayed for her addiction to tarot cards. Another teenager repented of his addiction to pornography. Come on, somebody. God was moving in first service. And so we prayed with multiple people. So I want you to just get ready because it's coming, all right? It's coming, but it's going to be great. God is going to move. He wants to minister to you as we minister to his heart. Let's pray together, and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you're the same God. God, that you healed back then and that you heal today, Lord. God, there's nothing impossible for you. So, Lord, we just pray for for marriages that are hanging on by a thread. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. God, that you can heal and restore a broken marriage. God, we thank you that you can call home the wayward son or the wayward daughter. Lord, we thank you for those who have come in with heavy hearts, God, that you can heal and remove burdens. We thank you for those maybe who come in with a spirit of unbelief. Maybe they're skeptics, cynics, critics, Lord, whatever it might be. But God, you can uh, take off the scales, Lord, and give us new eyes to see things as you see them. So Father, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you move in power in this place and you move in power in every living room or kitchen of those who are watching this right now and who will watch this this week on YouTube or Facebook. Lord, we love you. Uh, you have all permission. This, this service is yours, God. It's not mine. It's not ours. It's, it's all about you. So Jesus, have your way in your name. We pray all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. All right, you guys, as we begin today, I want to remind you this morning, I want to remind you that being a child of God doesn't, it does not guarantee you that you can sort of waltz through life, you know, like la, 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 completely being insulated from demonic influence. Just because you're a child of God does not mean that you can just waltz through life completely insulated from demonic influence, okay? I want to give you six ways that this can happen to believers. The first way Christians can come under the influence of the, demonic, of the demonic, I think, is through the most obvious one, is through the occult. Now, listen, can I just say this quickly, that the world is doing a tremendous job of normalizing the occult in our lives right now, celebrating it. I mean, you just go to any bookstore, and the amount of witchcraft and black magic and books aimed at kids that make it look cute 
and board games that are demonically influenced. I mean, the world is doing a tremendous job of making this seem like it's not a big deal. It, they're normalizing it. Ephesians 4, 25 to 27, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to Christians, by the way. He says this. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Well, everyone here is your neighbor. We are all members of one body. And he says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Ooh, let me just say this, married couples. That's a tough one, isn't it? Okay, just me. <laughs> That's a tough one, though. I'm just going to be vulnerable. Then I'll go first, so then maybe you'll follow. That's a tough one, because sometimes we want to be, we want to go angry. Like, right, right, right. You turn, turn your shoulder in the bed. I want them to know I'm mad. It's the anger, right? It's consuming you. And do not give the devil, what does it say, church? Oh, there it goes. A foothold, right? A foothold. Now, some translations say opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The fascinating thing about this text uh, is that the Greek word here that's used for, for foothold is the word tapos. So where, it's where we get the word topography. And um, topography is actually referring to like a place or space. And so everywhere else in the New Testament, this word topos means space. Now again, people say or have translated it as opportunity. But I think a better translation actually in reality is, and John Thompson says this in his book Deliverance, which is a phenomenal book, by the way, on spiritual warfare. Holy smokes, it's incredible. Um, John Thompson, Deliverance, look it up. Um, John Thompson points this out. He does great exegesis on this text. And that where the word tapos shows up, it always means space. Literally, what Paul is saying is this, is this, if you don't get a hold of your anger, you're making space for the devil to come right on in. You're creating a space for the devil to destroy your marriage, your relationship, all of your relationships. Listen, that is a door-opening event, a door-opening event. Now, let me remind you, a demonic being will not own you, but it, will, it can inhabit you and dwell you and have influence over you. When we see the word demon possession, it's really the word demonized in the Greek. It doesn't mean that you're owned by Satan. It doesn't mean you're owned by a demon, but you can be still indwelt or oppressed to the, to the point where you give in to the demonic. And so I want you to think about a house. You live in a house, and the house is owned by Jesus. It means that you're a born-again believer. But there are open windows in the house or open doors in the house, and unwanted, uninvited guests make their way into that house, and all of a sudden, they destroy a room in your house. They destroy the living room or a bedroom. Now, the home is still owned by Jesus, okay? But certain rooms have been given over to what? Uninvited, unwanted guests. Yes, and this is what Paul is actually referring to here. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't give your enemy a foothold, a stronghold. In other words, don't make any space for the devil to come in. Let me ask you a question, and don't worry, you don't have to answer out loud. Is there a certain sin that you lean towards? Lust or lack of self-control when it comes to your diet or cynicism? 
You're a gossip. You're easily offended all the time. It could be a million different things, okay? Right? Listen, Satan will want to establish a stronghold, so be aware. Be discerning, okay? So naturally, some of you are like, whoa, wait a minute. Does that mean Satan and God can occupy the same space? Well, I'll just let you answer that. In Job chapter one, Satan comes prancing into the throne room of God, and then in the wilderness, Satan and Jesus are occupying the same space. The third way that we're influenced by the demonic is through offense. Being offended is what I mean here. I think there's a great deal in the church of modern day, the church of today, I think there's a great deal of offense in the body of Christ. Satan knows that when you're offended, you'll leave fellowship. That when you're offended, you'll walk away from the church, you'll walk away from your friends, you'll walk away from the calling of God on your life. It could be a little thing, too. I'm not talking about big things. I'm talking about little things is what happens to us when we're offended. Little ways, something that someone says. You don't get to do a certain thing. It doesn't turn out the way you want it to, so now you're blaming people and you're held hostage. You become what we call a victim. And so you know, you're this victim of everything around you, and you're held in bondage of this victim mentality. Well, they didn't. Well, he didn't say. Well, he didn't come to me. He didn't return my phone call. Well, they didn't do this. Well, it's always someone else's fault. And you may be in the right. You may be in the right. But listen, Satan will take a small offense and throw you off of the will of God. He will remove you. He'll, he'll try to knock you out of doing the will of God here on the earth. Here's what Matthew chapter 24 says. At that time, many will turn away from faith and will betray and hate each other. And then he says this, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Leave that up there for just a moment. How is it possible for false prophets to deceive so many people? People who are easily offended are easily deceived. Some of you don't believe that, but it's true. Proverbs 17, no, I lied, excuse me. Proverbs 12, 16. <laughs> Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Can I just tell you, there are multiple millions of ways that you can be offended at church. And it happens at times, sometimes unknowingly by other people. If you don't learn to overlook an offense, you're gonna be church hopping for the rest of your life. Because the people of God, we're broken, and sometimes we make each other upset, and we don't even know it. And sometimes we try to reconcile, and you're still so offended that we can't. Can I just tell you, I spent this week, most of this week, with a group of pastors from the Radiant Network. We went out west um, to Gold Lake, and Gold Lake is beautiful. And uh, we spent some time in prayer, seeking the Lord every day, fellowship. We spent about four days out there. And I got back in town late Thursday night, I think that's where I got a little bit sick. Um, so, you know, guys, it's, it's just a bunch of guys. <laughs> Can I just be vulnerable with you for a moment? <laughs> I don't know if you're ready for this, but there are some, some times where I was, um, I was tempted to be offended. I was tempted to be offended. I was like, what did you say? What did, what did you just say? <laughs> Holy Spirit, you better help me right now. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm walking away. And the Lord convicted me. 
Saturday afternoon, yesterday. The Lord told me this. This is what I felt the Holy Spirit say. Marco, you're really going to give that much control to another person. You're really going to think that what they think about you or even what they say, whether it's true or not, or whether they're just joking around, 99.9% of likelihood they were just messing around, okay, honestly, you think that what they think or say controls your success in life? How foolish, Marco, are you? I was like, Lord, whoo, I was like, Lord, I, forgive me. Like, I am the sovereign God, right? You don't have to be worried about what someone else says about you or if they're offended with you. That's not for you to deal with. You forgive, you walk in forgiveness and love and grace, and you keep moving forward with what I have called you to do. Come on, someone needs to hear that this morning. Come on, man. Gosh, man, I could preach on that for another half hour, but I know you're getting hungry. We must not let our pride in our flesh control us, church. Mature Christians are not easily offended. Mature Christians, I'm gonna repeat it, are not easily offended. I know that you might be in the right, and that's, that's fine, but listen, we must not allow an offense to take us out from doing what God has called us to do. So often, you know what it is? Here's what the Lord told me. He said this, it's your pride, Marco. It's your pride. You won't submit to authority. You won't do this. It's your pride. It's your ego. And I'm like, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Shoot. And I have to repent. Lord, I'm, I'm, forgive me. And then that, you know what that does? It just changes my perspective. I'm like, I can forgive. I can love. It's, it's, it's nothing, right? It's nothing. We must be those who forgive, who walk forward, not with offense, but with a heart intending to do what God has for us. Number four, the fourth way we're influenced by the demonic is through idolatry. Idolatry. Whenever we put someone or something in the place of God, our affections, our attentions. Listen, if you are so swayed by the result of a football game that you stay depressed for a whole day, something is wrong. Okay, come on, someone. I'm going to make this real this morning. Okay, if all your heart and affection are on the lions, God help us all, right? I do hope. I pray for them. I hope and pray that they win some more games this season. But don't let all your emotions, your happiness, your joy be tied into a football game. Okay? A hockey game, a baseball game, a basketball. Whatever your thing is, listen, that is idolatry. You're putting something or someone in the place of God. All your affections, all of your time, all of your energies are steered towards that thing. And the Lord says, that's idolatry. What are you doing? Here's what the word says. Psalm 106, 36 through 38. The psalmist looks back on the children of Israel. They worship their idols, which became what? A snare. What's a snare? It's a trap. A snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. What does that sound like? They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, when they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, the idols of convenience. The land was desecrated by their blood. Okay. This is crazy. What, is, what does the psalmist say? The psalmist says that their sin, their child's sacrifice, was actually rooted in idolatry. And when we give our affections to something or someone else, listen, that's idolatry. Ask yourself this question today. Is there something or some, someone or something getting all of my heart, all of my affections, 
right? We can, parents, we can do this with kids. Like, we worship them, and you're like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Like, if you care, here's what happens in marriages where they worship the children. All their affections, all their attention, all their time goes towards the kids, but not the other spouse. And the marriage is broken. And by the time the kids grow up and move out of the house, they don't even know who each other is. Because they've invested all of their love, all of their tenderness, all of their care towards the kids. Now, should you care for your kids? Oh, oh yeah, hello, absolutely. Should you love them? Should you be willing to die for them? Well, of course. But listen, we have to, marriages, let's, let's, let's also love our spouses. Let's give them the time they need. They, our spouses need us. They need affection. They need love. They need, to, they need us to hold their hand. They need a date night every once in a while, right? We, we, we gotta be careful that we don't worship our children, right? The fifth way Christians can be influenced by the demonic is through what some have called inner vows, inner vows. Now, I never heard of inner vows until recently, this week, actually. I was studying. Uh, there's a very, very um, credible theologian and pastor by the name of Sam Storms, and uh, he wrote a book. Uh, it's on spiritual warfare. It's, spiritual warfare is the name of the book, I believe. Anyways, Sam Storms is an academic, but he's also a pastor, and he's also filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's like, like my dude, right? He's my man. Uh, and he, he, he wrote this great book on spiritual warfare. It's like 300, 400 pages long. And I've been going through it. It's so good. And Sam Storms talks about this idea of inner vows. I'll give you a definition because you don't know what that is. An inner vow is a self-directed, self-focused promise that we make for ourselves in response to our difficulty, frustration, or pain. It's an inner vow that we make to ourselves. Inner vows, are, are, they sound like this. They're normally preceded with this type of language. I will never or I will always. This is, a, this is the vow you make to yourself. I will never let another man hurt me in my life. You just come out of a bad relationship or marriage or whatever it was, right? I will never let anyone hurt me again. Okay. Fair enough, right? Fair enough. However, listen, that's an inner vow, and the idea is, is that there's power in the tongue. The idea is, is that you're very likely to struggle with being authentic to other people. Why is that? Because you don't want to be hurt anymore. Number two, it's very likely that you will struggle with trusting God. Because why? Well, what if God doesn't come through for me like I thought he should come through for me? You're, not, you're gonna have a hard time trusting God. But what about this one? I will never be like my father. He was a wicked man. Okay, maybe he was a wicked man. Okay, maybe you should not be like your father. Point taken. I will never be like my father. Inner vow. What's gonna happen? It means this. You're gonna have a hard time forgiving your earthly father. Okay? And also this. You're also going to have a really difficult time of receiving the love of your heavenly father. Because God is a father figure. Inner vows need to be revoked and renounced. You must repent of them, right? You must repent of your agreement with them and the consequences that come as a result of them. Okay? Inner vows. Matthew 5, through 37. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows that you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say... 
by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So inner vows, you guys, they're a sinful reaction to the pain that you've experienced in life, okay? And they have a way of pushing God out of the equation. So in that way, what happens is it forms idolatry in your heart. Because why? Because you begin to trust in your own plans for your life more than you trust in God's plans. You start to trust in your own ability to take care of yourself more than God's ability to take care of you. And so that's idolatry, right? So what if you're here this morning and you find yourself under constant stress when it comes to following Jesus or praying to God? I want you to ask yourself today, ask the Holy Spirit, have I made an inner vow that I was not even aware of? And the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. And then I want you to break and renounce that over your life, okay? You don't, you don't need a person, but you can do it. Well, you can do it with me. You can do it with one of our leaders here. We'll, we'll walk you through that, okay? Just a prayer of repentance, prayer of renouncing uh, inner vows. Finally, number six, <clears throat> the demonic can be responsible for sickness. The demonic can be responsible for sickness. We're gonna dive right in. Luke 13, 10. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit, right? Crippled by a spirit, and that's not the Holy Spirit, by the way. For 18 years, she was bent over, could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your what? Infirmity, or spirit of infirmity. He put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Sorry, I read that twice. Indignant, sorry, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leaders, leaders said to his people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it a water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom what? Whom Satan has kept bound. Who kept her bound? Satan has, right. For 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all the opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. You know, the ESV translate verse, translates verse 11 as a disabling spirit. The RSV translates it as a spirit of infirmity, okay? This woman was a regular at the synagogue. She was in right standing with God, right standing with God, and yet she had this medical condition that was caused by Satan himself. Now, this is not to say, we have to be careful here. This is not to say that every sickness or disease is caused by a demon or evil spirit. Like, ah, shoot, ah, that's a demon, right? No, well, right. Demon of the sneeze, I rebuke you. Well, just, just let's slow down a little bit, okay? So what do I look, what do I look for? How, how can you discern this? Here's what I do. I look for patterns. Are there patterns in your life? Are there patterns in your family's life, family members' lives? where they get sick at certain times of the week or certain times of the year every single time. And you're like, that is weird. Like, that is not, that's not normal. 
Okay, so when you find patterns, what I do is I begin to lean in more spiritually. I'm like, okay, God, Father, would you reveal to me what is going on here? Like, Lord, would you show me, okay? Show me, is this a result of like an attack, a demonic attack, or not? And if so, I'm gonna lean into that, right? I'm gonna lean into that into my prayer. Let me show you Luke, Luke 440 and 41. At sunset, Jesus, he, the people were brought to Jesus, all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. So Jesus is doing what he always does, healing people. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Okay, that's interesting, right? Because Jesus is just praying for people. And some of the people who are sick, demons are coming out of them. So it's safe to assume from this text that some of the sickness is a result of demonic activity or influence in their lives, right? I wanna wrap up things now, and I, I, I wanna leave you on a high point. We're gonna have some time of ministry. Pastor Jacob and Sarah are gonna come out here in just a second. I want us to have a time of ministry, okay? And uh, we got about five or six minutes left, so hold with me, okay? We're not quite done yet. Probably 10 minutes left, okay? <laughs> 1 John 3, 8 says this, that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil, right? Jesus has already been victorious over our enemies by triumphing over them on the cross, through the cross, right? So I wanna leave you on a high point here this morning. I wanna give you some steps to take in community, not by yourself, in community. Well, why community, Marco? I just wanna go in my closet and handle this. I get it, I get it. It's all about me, myself, and I in our culture today. But that's not really the way that Christianity works. Christianity is a team sport, okay? So many people are like, just, it's just me and the Lord. Well, uh, yeah, I get that sentiment, but it's also about you and all the other people who call themselves believers, okay? Why in community? Because in community, you bring out that sin, that issue, whatever it is, you bring it out into the light. And it gets exposed for what it is, a lie, an attack, whatever it is. Whatever God reveals, begins to reveal, he wants to heal as well. I wanna give you just five things to do in community. And we'll go through these quickly. And then we're gonna have a time of prayer. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up. And, and if you're not being prayed for, I want you to stand up and I want you to worship. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to pray for the people coming up. And I don't want you to buy the lie that being prayed for is a sign of weakness. So many people hiding behind their sin, hiding behind their, their lives because they believe that if I go and receive prayer, it looks like I'm weak. It looks like I can't handle things. It looks like I don't have it all together. And hey, can I just newsflash? We already knew you didn't have it all together. All right, we already, like, we already knew that. Like, so you don't have to like pretend, okay? So number one, steps to take in the community. Number one, take inventory of your life with another person through the Holy Spirit. What other, what other reoccurring issues that you see in your life? What are the things that seem to plague your family over and over and over and over again? What are the besetting sins that you are likely to fall into? I want you to take inventory of your life. Number two, a prayer for reflection. And this, this simply means this. You begin to ask the Holy Spirit, are there any open doors? Right? Is, that, that, is it that TV show that we're watching? Is it that we have this demonic inspired God in our living room, like a small Buddha or something that is idolatrous in our house, right? So you're asking, okay, 
Is there an open door? God, have I opened myself up to this and I didn't even know it? Has my wife opened herself up to this and she didn't even realize this, right? Number three, asking community with a pastor, with me, with one of our leaders in the prayer team, an elder. When you ask in community, you are exposing the works of darkness and bringing them into the light. So it's really important that you do it in community, not just all by yourself. Number four, confess and repent in community. Confession and repentance. Confess your sin and close any doors that have unwillingly been open. And I, you, you say it out loud, Father, I repent of my sin of tarot cards. I'm giving you an example right now, because I, I, I wonder if that's someone today. I repent of my scene of fortune teller, and I close all agreements, all doors made with the demonic, and I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. Father, forgive me. I am under your authority and yours alone, in Jesus' name. You must say, I can pray it for you, but our prayer team is gonna lead you to say it, not me. You must confess it. You must say it out loud. Number five, same thing, renounce, right? It's the same idea. Renounce, give up, repudiate, let go, give up. Instruct the demonic to leave. And again, that's praying out loud. And when you do this, base your appeal solely on the work of Jesus on the cross, not on your own works. Don't say, Jesus, because I'm such a good person. Jesus, because I read my devotions every day. Eh, do not do that. Base your prayer upon the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, where he, remember, he triumphed over our enemies, okay? Making a spectacle of them. Pastor Sarah and Andy, if you are available to stay for a few minutes, you can pray with us as well, okay? If you're, if you're part of our prayer team, come up right now. Go ahead and come on up. We've got some elders here. We've got a pastor available as well. I'm gonna be available as well. I'll be next to uh, Pastor Sarah and Andy. I'll be next to them. Don't buy the lie that you're weak because you need prayer, okay? Some of you, I believe, I've been praying this all week, that this was an appointed time and place for some of you, okay? An appointed time and place for some of you to what? <laughs> to become free in Jesus' name. To break every stronghold, every chain of demonic influence, Maybe you're here today and you've been harboring unforgiveness. It's time. I know it doesn't happen instantly and I, and I understand that. I want you to begin to take those steps today with Troy and Ann or uh, Celeste or, or, or Bill, or, okay, Judy, and Barry, and one of us here. You've been holding unforgiveness. Here's what you don't realize. You're harboring bitterness in your heart and it's going to affect every other relationship outside of that. Everyone, if you wanna, if you're dreaming, God, I would like to be remarried. Well, that's phenomenal prayer. But listen, it's time to let the Lord deal with the issues in your heart before you ever bring that into another relationship. If you've been here and you've been under the influence of the demonic activities, fortune tellers, mediums, I want you to come up. I want you to, we wanna pray with you. I'm not gonna rebuke you. I'm not gonna beat you over the head. I'm gonna tell you, you are brave for receiving prayer today. We love you and we're partnering with you. The devil does not have a stronghold over your life. And we're going to pray that together. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much right now for everyone who's going to come up. Lord, I'm believing strongholds and chains will be broken in Jesus' name, God. In your name, God. Every stronghold, every lie, Lord, every inner vow that we've made, revoked, renounced in Jesus' name, God. 
Do it right now, Lord. Build boldness in your people. Some people are afraid. I know they are. I'm just, I'm just feeling it so much in my spirit. Some of you are afraid to come up. Listen, the Holy Spirit already knows, and he'll be with you through every part of the prayer. Every chain broken in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Amen. Go ahead, Pastor Jacob, lead us today. <clears throat>